Hello everybody, I am Orlando Garner, PGY3 and Chief Resident, and welcome to another episode of Resident Talk here at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center at the Permian Basin. I am joined, as always, by Dr. Alfredo Iardino, PGY3. Hello. Uh, today we will discuss another common pathology residents encounter on a regular basis. UTIs have got to be a dime a dozen, but the more I admit patients with this type of infection, the more I've noticed many nuances that go into diagnosing and treating them. Yes. UTIs account for 8 million office visits and 1 million ER visits. They're seemingly easy to diagnose and treat, they're often misdiagnosed. A good starting point will be who will be at risk of these type of infections. Women are at higher risk with an incident of 1 in 3 women, according to the American Journal of Medicine. By age 32, at least 50% of women will develop a UTI. Another important thing is how do we classify a patient from having a non-complicated UTI from a complicated UTI. Complicated UTIs encapsulate all the men and children and also include women with functional metabolic or anatomical abnormalities such as obstruction, urinary stone, pregnancy, diabetes, neurogenic bladder, renal insufficiency, or immunosuppression. As well, any UTI in postmenopausal women. The rest are considered non-complicated. A cornerstone of working up a patient with a suspected UTI is a urine analysis. What do we look for in a dipstick and microscopy, and what about urine cultures? There is no set criteria, but the presence of positive nitrates increase the likelihood of having a urinary tract infection, and the negative leukocyte esterase and negative nitrates will decrease the likelihood, but clinical symptoms will supersede any laboratory data. In terms of cultures, they're recommended only when you suspect acute pyelonephritis, when the symptoms do not resolve and recur within four weeks after completion of treatment, atypical symptoms, and pregnancy. E. coli is the biggest culprit for a UTI, but what are the other common pathogens for this disease? Yes, you're right. E. coli accounts for 75 to 95% of the cases, but Klebsiella pneumonia, Enterococcus faecalis, Proteus mirabilis, Staphylococcus saprophyticus, and Staphylococcus agalactiae are other common pathogens that can cause UTIs. As we touched in previous episode, antibiotic resistance is something to take into consideration. We often find patients that are being admitted to the hospital for different non-infection causes whose UA shows signs of UTI, but they don't have any symptoms. Should these findings warrant antibiotic? No, these patients without symptoms have asymptomatic bacteriuria and should be treated only if they're pregnant. Now, speaking of antibiotics, what would we start empirically on patients with an uncomplicated UTI and for how long? According to the IDSA, talking about uncomplicated cystitis with a grade A1 recommendation, natrofurantoin, 100 mg twice daily for 5 days, is an adequate treatment. Alternative for outpatient therapy is Bactrim DS, 160-800 mg twice daily, but only for 3 days. The only consideration on Bactrim is that it is not recommended if the local antibiogram show a resistant rate of less or equal of 20% or if there is recurrent UTI. Uncomplicated pyronephritis is usually treated with fluoroquinolones like ciprofloxacin or levofloxacin, but again, resistance play an important role. Bactrim is again a good alternative to fluoroquinolone resistant patients. When would we consider admitting a patient to the hospital and what would we start them on? 
Complicated UTI, septic patients, and PO intolerance are usually the criteria to admit patients to the hospital. In some cases, UTIs with concomitant obstructive nephropathy needs to be admitted to the hospital for surgical decompression. It's very frustrating when the antibiotics aren't working, despite having the right one according to what cultures and sensitivities say. What can we do if the patient is still spiking fevers after 48 hours and is on appropriate antibiotic therapy? The answer is imaging. Those are the patients that may be at risk of having a renal abscess, and we will need to drain the abscess in order for them to get better. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, but thank you for listening in, and we hope you enjoyed listening as we enjoyed preparing this for you guys. Please drop us a line with any suggestions or topics you would like to see addressed in the podcast. Thank you.